Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance, and next, a word from our sponsors. Our next Reddit post is from 215Tina. My mom was an overnight manager at a truck shop. She regularly had to deal with drunks in the obnoxious Sunday morning crowd. There was a man that came in every Sunday morning, very early. No sooner than his order would hit the window, he would start yelling loudly. Is it done yet? Where's my food? And other rude things. The staff cringed when he walked in. My mom had enough. This particular Sunday, after a very rough Saturday night full of drunks, this man walks in with his usual crew and sits at his usual table. Just like clockwork, he started yelling as soon as his ticket hit the window. Mom threw a biscuit on the plate, added a piece of cheese, raw sausage patty, then cracked an egg and added the top part of the biscuit. She took him his order personally, slammed the plate down in front of him, and calmly asked him if he wanted his food now or if he wanted it cooked. He never yelled after that day. He became one of the nicest and best tipping customers. Our next Reddit post is from Future Pink. I used to work in a pawn shop as both a sales associate and a pawnbroker. I have so many stories I could probably fill this subreddit, but this one always makes me smile because of how smug the man was. When I was a sales associate, I sold a lot of jewelry. I often had to tell people that we couldn't hold items because A. Someone might come in and want it and have the money right there, and B. We had a layaway program. So, unless you put down a 20% down payment, holding it wasn't an option. So, one day, this man comes in and is looking for a very specific type of ring. A diamond channel set anniversary ring set in white gold size 5. The pawn shop I worked at had a vast collection of these types of things in many sizes and with many different carat weights. He needed a specific size and a specific carat weight and he was very much in luck because we happened to have it. Most pawn shops are, you get what you see and you can see what you get. Basically, we don't have any inventory or stock of any specific item and our jewelers are for sizing and dipping purposes only. So I show him the ring that I have in the case. Here you go, exactly the size you need and just over the carat weight. The man pulls out a jeweler's loop, looks at the diamonds and says, Okay, they're not as clear as I normally like them. Yeah, I understand, but the price is only $350 and at a regular jewelry store, this would easily run around $1,500. So while the clarity isn't as nice, it's still a really good deal and I don't know if you'll find another this size with the same carat weight. (sighs) Okay. Well, I know your sister's store also has some rings, right? Do you think they have a better one with better quality? At this time, there's a woman looking at rings and clearly listening to our conversation, but I am positive he hasn't noticed her. She sees the ring in my hand, and I see her eyebrows go up. I'm not sure, but they're a smaller store, so their inventory is smaller. If they do have one, there isn't a guarantee the ring will be the correct size or the same carat weight. Hmm, okay, well, can you hold the ring for me? I want to go see their inventory. I'm sorry, we can't. Company policy is that all items held must be put on layaway for holding. If someone wants to buy an item that isn't in layaway, we don't want to stop them. Huh, well, I'm going to hold off and go check that store. If someone comes and sees this specific ring, yeah, go ahead and sell it. But I doubt that's going to happen. He walked away with this smug look on his face. Just as he left, the woman who was listening to our conversation walks up. Can I see that ring he didn't want? I hand it over to her. She slips it onto her finger and smiles. I'll take it. She didn't even hesitate. 
She straight up bought this ring after wearing it for five seconds. When checking her out, I asked her why, and she said that she'd been searching for a channel set ring for a few years at the pawn shops, but none had caught her eye like this one and it was her size, which can be hard to find. I told her to have a nice day and cleaned it before she left. 45 minutes later, the man walked back in. Okay, they didn't have anything, so I guess I'll take the one I was looking at. I'm sorry, sir, but just after you left, a woman came up, tried on the ring, and bought it. I don't have any more in the carat and weight that you're looking for. I have some in the higher carat weights, if you're interested. Are you effing serious? You knew I'd probably be back. Why'd you sell it? Well, you did say that I should if someone came in and saw it. Just because you doubt something is going to happen doesn't mean it can't. And then down in the comments, we have a similar story from Swiggy. I used to sell at flea markets. One year, I was helping out my father-in-law who made decorative lawn art. His main seller was a Dutch-style wooden windmill. The season was basically over to sell this, but he needed working capital. I loaded up the truck and took it to the best flea market in the area. Mind you, the season was over, but I decided the gamble was good enough. I had something like 50 of these things in the truck. Shortly after noon, I was down to the last three. One guy asked me to hold on to the one that he bought. Yeah, he paid cash so that he could shop around a bit more. I told him I'd stick around until one, even if I sold out. I was down to my last two, and I had a tourist trying to haggle me down on the price. Normal price was 30 bucks, and I was selling them for 25 She wanted both for 35 and she wasn't budging. I had agreed to let her have both for 40 bucks, but she never said she'd buy. Meanwhile, the guy that bought the other windmill came back to pick it up. I excused myself, telling her I'd be right back, turned around, handed him his windmill, and went to see about closing the sale. She was gone. Oh well. Almost immediately, a guy steps up and asks how much. I told him 25 each, both for 45 He whipped out the cash, paid for them, and walked away with a smile. Okay, I sold all my inventory, didn't have much in the way of cleanup, and the guy I would have waited on picked up his product. All done. I go to get in the truck and the woman came back and said, Okay, I've thought it over and I'll buy those two for $40 like you said. Sorry ma'am, but I already sold them for $45. But you knew I wanted them! Yeah, but you never said you'd buy them, so when I didn't see you, I sold them to the next person. And he didn't haggle. He hit it that way and I pointed east. I don't think I'll sell them though because he bought them as Christmas gifts. Don't you have any more? Nope, I brought 50, I sold 50. I took the truck back to the shop, handed dad the money and told him I sold out. It always surprised him when I did this. I did this every week for a month and a half and kept his business afloat, then hit it out of state. He turned the sales over to my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law was lucky to sell one. Our next Reddit post is from One Piper Piping. My workplace requires some yearly trainings. One just came up and it reminded me of this. I work for a government agency. Like most government agencies, ours is often underfunded and understaffed. While we often have all the equipment necessary to perform our jobs, some of the computers, software, etc. are not recent, which can make our jobs more difficult. I also sit in a cube and there are a few dozen people on our floor. Sound travels, so you can often hear what's going on a few cubes away. We often have all sorts of phone calls and whatnot, so a lot of people have earpieces for the phone. While you can allegedly get one issued to you, I think this is pretty rare, so most people bring one from home. I have one from an earlier job, but even so, a $10 headset works fine. 
I had one coworker who's on the phone a great deal for hours a day and had asked for a headset, but hadn't been issued one. We'll call her Leslie. Then, we all were instructed to complete a training on our computers, which consisted of a couple hours of videos. Most people use their headsets. Leslie started doing the training with the computer speakers. To be fair, Leslie did this at a pretty low volume, but still loud enough that it was audible to adjacent cubicles. Someone complained, and Leslie's boss came over to ask Leslie to use a headset. Leslie responded, I asked for one, but I haven't been issued one yet. Leslie's boss asked Leslie to bring one from home, to which Leslie responded that they couldn't be made to pay to provide their own work equipment, and that the training was due the next day. So Leslie finished the training that afternoon without headphones. After that, Leslie was miraculously issued a headset. Our next Reddit post is from Beer Belly Be Gone. Nearly two years ago, I started work at a company as a digital marketing person. After I started, it turned out that I was brought in to put out the fires left by my predecessor, the VP of Marketing, who had a team of four plus himself, spent over $1 million in one year, and brought in five deals, two of them for under $10,000. As you can imagine, after a performance like that, I had lots of work to do and very little to do it with. Aside from one or two paid tools, everything else was to be done using free tools only. I'm going to do some bragging here. I beat the previous year's figures in all categories with only 10% of the budget. When I started, I thought the boss man, the founder and CEO, had a really good management style, saying things like, your successes are yours, your mistakes are mine, and the enemy of good is great. I don't expect perfection. I want you to make sure things work and get them done. In essence, I was allowed to run my own one-man department and outsource freelancers, and as long as I was getting results, he left me alone. Since I was the only person on the marketing team, I also had to learn a large number of skills and platforms that weren't directly related to digital marketing. Not to say things were perfect, but things were pretty good. One of the main things that wasn't perfect was the boss man had serious anger management issues. As I said before, he left me alone, but I saw him blow up and fire other people for stupid things. He lost it at me too, once or twice, but he'd calm down after a couple of hours and things would be back to normal. If it looks like an abusive relationship, that's because looking back, that's exactly what it was. As the year came to an end, I approached the boss and initiated a performance review. I ran him through everything I'd done in the past year, and he was pretty surprised at how much I'd done with so little. I asked him for a raise, pointing out that I was currently making $8,000 a month in local currency. The average is $4,500 a month. When people with my skill set were making between $1,300 and $1,400 a month, I asked him for $1,200. He said he'd get back to me and never did. Every time I asked him about my raise, he had another excuse. After the last excuse, I began looking for something else. The other day we had a meeting and it turns out that two months ago I made a mistake. It wasn't a critical mistake and it was rectified within a few hours of discovering the mistake. No harm or damage was caused whatsoever to the company, but Bossman flipping lost it. I mean slamming on the tables, yelling for the whole office to hear and what have you. Then he said the magic words. Pack your things up and go home. Think about whether you want to keep working here. So that's what I did, and 10 seconds later I said, no, I don't. I started packing my stuff up while he turned an even deeper shade of red and got even louder. I didn't answer him at all, just kept on packing up my things and saying goodbye to my colleagues. 
Turns out that being ignored really pushed his buttons to the point where he started threatening to call security to have me removed while I was actively removing myself and my things from the office. Here's the part where it gets beautiful. My country is very strict on employees' rights. His words and behavior are considered an improper dismissal. By law, he's required to give me 30 days notice of dismissal, which he didn't. When he realized his mistake, he convened a pre-dismissal hearing, but it was already too late. He opened himself up to a lawsuit, which I'm already talking with lawyers about. Because by law, he has to give me those 30 days notice even though he already fired me. For the next 30 days, I'm eligible for all the benefits and social rights in my salary, but I can't do any work for him and there's nothing he can do to me without making the incoming lawsuit 10 times worse. I've already got four interviews lined up for next week, paying almost double what the boss was paying me. And best of all, I'll be interviewing for other places on his dime. The cherry on top is that because I'm the only marketing person, without me, nothing happens in the marketing department for the next month. And if he doesn't hire someone in time, I won't be around to answer any questions a new person might have. Our next Reddit post is from Bistros. My doctor's office sucks. Disorganized would be an improvement. Rude, snippy, god complex, they have it all covered. When it comes to prescription renewals, they're very snippy about have the pharmacist fax us a request. Um, 1980 wants their fax machine back. I phoned the pharmacy on Monday to ask for a renewal and they faxed the doctor's office. Crickets. On Friday morning, I was in the store and asked the pharmacy tech if the renewal was ready. They said they hadn't heard back from the doctor. The pharmacist called both the office and the doctor's line and left messages. When she hadn't heard back in an hour, she faxed them the fourth request. When 11am rolls around and she hadn't heard back, she came up with a strategy. She would fill two prescriptions, walk over to the fax machine and punch resend. She would go back to her station, fill two more prescriptions, and repeat. At around 1.30, so maybe 14 resends, the doctor's office frantically called her to stop sending renewal requests. And she sweetly told them that since they hadn't responded since Monday, she was just taking care of her customer and she wasn't sure they were ever going to respond. She had the renewal at 1.45, filled it by 2.15, called me and I picked it up at 3. I love my pharmacist. Down in the comments, I love this reply from the aptly named Pranker Joker. What your pharmacist needs to do is type the request and then put the paper halfway through the fax machine. Then tape the bottom of the paper to the top. This will create a paper loop. Press send. After an hour and a few hundred refill requests, the doctor's office will get the hint. Our next Reddit post is from Chapel IRL. I worked for a company that was bought out by a large multinational corporation. After a couple of years, a new online expenses system was put in place. This also was used to book travel, hotels, etc. And we were told that under no circumstances could it be circumvented. The travel section was strange. The way it worked was you chose the city you were traveling to and it gave you the pre-approved hotel you had to choose. All very straightforward until you consider how these hotels got on the list. It wasn't through hundreds of corporate negotiations. It was when the first traveler using that system had to stay in that city found a hotel that met their needs and that became the default hotel. I live in a small country and the local company was based about 150 kilometers from the capital. 
The only people who would use the system to stay in my country were the senior VPs who worked on the takeover. And when they returned to the capital to fly home, they usually spent a few vacation days there. I was asked to go on a training course run by a company in the capital, and being a lowly employee, I would have expected Travelodge or something similar. But the only choice available to me was the five-star intercontinental hotel, where breakfast starts at 50 euros and the rooms are eye-watering. I checked with the travel admin, and she laughed as she read me the rules. Under no circumstances could the system be circumvented. The course was over two weeks, and at the end of the month, my expenses were submitted. (laughs) Nearly six grand in hotel bills, plus food and mileage. My boss, in a different country, was almost in tears when he called me about this, because he knew this compliance to the rules meant he'd have to explain this to his boss. Oddly enough, some other hotels were added soon after. OP, I wouldn't feel guilty about that one bit. I'd be sipping mimosas poolside and ordering as much room service as possible. That was r slash malicious compliance, and if you like this podcast, then check out my Patreon where I publish extra podcasts. Also, follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcasts every single day.